Okay, good morning to you. We got to get started so I can get you out of here. You got canteen after this, I understand. But take your Bibles out if you would. I do this every uh, day, but I'm, I don't take you for granted, so I welcome you. I'm glad we're uh, enjoying our week together. This is morning service number three. Theme is Shark Week. And you guys are sort of remind me of that right there. You know, when I ask questions, you seem like you got your hands up because I think you're good listeners and good learners. So with that in mind, you know, I thought, I'm, let me see if they really remember a lot of the st- stuff this past week. So uh, how many holes were in Louis Zamperini's life right Number two, what was Louis' sport that he... He's a track star. What was the name of the plane, Louis? Louis. The Green Hornet. It was a. What did Louis do while his friends were in the rack? For how long? What was the name of the man who loved it? The bird. Yes. Name five things Louis started doing when he accepted Christ. Go. Just quit smoking and drinking instantly. That's tough to do. Yes, him. Yeah. Now the Bible made sense. That's strange. He stopped having bad dreams. He started getting better rest. What else? One of the toughest things. These guys tortured him for uh, three years. He forgives them. Yes. So he goes out of his way. He's a missionary. That's what his wife would later call him. Seems like, let's see, do we get them all? No more nightmares. Quit smoking and drinking. Found his Bible. Forgave his enemies. Seems like there was something else, sir. What else? Let's see. Instantly quit drinking and smoking. Uh, loved his Bible, forgave his enemies, went back to Japan. Um, yes. Well, he did go to the library to, to reconnect with Billy Graham in 1992. I believe that's, yes. That's a. A lot of it, too, I guess. Well, you count him as an evangelist and a missionary. I guess that's that would be true. Seems like there was something. I mean, maybe I'll name them all. Yes. So he's a missionary. He's an evangelist. He forgives. He, he quits holding grudges. For the first time in years, he quit having nightmares. Yeah. He quit smoking, quit drinking, found his Bible. That became a life to him. Uh, maybe we've got them all. Maybe I'm just trying too hard. It sounds like maybe you got this question. Who was the man who walked between the halves of animals? Yeah, his name was Abram. He soon became Abraham. What is called it when we agree with God? That's a covenant. We say, all right, God, and we make a deal, and we're not supposed to go back on our deal. It'd be like going through the animals, making a deal, and the very next thing, okay. It's a big deal to God. What else to show people the world we're truly saved? Works, we have a change in our lifestyle. We're no longer the man we used to be like Louis. According to James, faith without works is dead. You can say that you've got faith. I'll show you I've got faith. Who's the man who stayed alive with the seven friends in life raft? Eddie Rickenbacker. Yeah, that was... What animal finally helped to save him? Seagull. From then on, he'd thank the seagulls. Who did Louis Zamperini shake hands with? He probably went to wash his hands afterwards. I mean, Adolf Hitler hated. He said he, although he let the Jews come into the Olympics that year, it was almost like he shunned them, didn't really want to be around them. Yeah, he was a pretty cruel guy. What king pretended to be a soldier? Ahab. David. Gibeonites. Who had a sick daughter? Jarius, yeah. Jared, what did Jesus call the woman who had been bleeding? Daughter, a term of endearment, and she hadn't heard anything like that. And finally, we are running run the race of life with our eyes focused on Jesus. Jesus. We focus our eyes on Jesus. Who for the, oh, that cross he endured to shame. So last night we talked about a certain kind of a man and a certain kind of woman. And both these guys have this Two individuals that are quite opposite and yet quite the same. Yes. You remember, what kind of man was he? A pleading man. He said, you've got to help my daughter. And a bleeding woman because she had been hemorrhaging really for a long, long time. That would be like having a 
runny, oozy sore that just won't heal. So she's about at the end of her rope. Here's what they might have. Who was very private? The woman, she kept herself. He's a public figure. She is very poor. He's very obviously rich. She's very, she's a nobody. Who cares about her? And yet, he's very important. He probably spoke every Sunday. What was his job? He was the what? He was a senior priest. He's the leader of the synagogue. If he's not around, people miss him. She could drop dead and nobody would care. Pretty sad. She's very lonely. He seems like he's pretty popular. And maybe you'd even say this. She stays at home hoping nobody will find her. And he's in church, not every week, but every day. That's his job. Y'all hang on to your coins, please. They're both desperate. And they both are so helpless that they finally just give in and say, God, you're going to have to do something. They go looking for Jesus and they don't care who makes fun of them. Wouldn't it be cool that y'all go back to school with that kind of attitude? You don't care. You bow your head and somebody, what was that? I thank Jesus for my lunch today. Oh, are you holier than now? Remember the skit guys? I don't like to do that. Even Christians make fun of us Christians. It's like, I just want to serve Jesus. Oh. You're going to be a Jesus freak, or you're going to be a this, whatever they call it. You say, well, call me what you want. But I'm more serious about my faith. I have made a recommitment. And when I tell God I'm going to do something, I'm going to stick to it. Okay. They may make fun of you for a little while, and then after they say, you know what? I appreciate that. I had somebody sort of make fun of me in college. They almost like, oh, are you? I told them I was a Christian, and then they didn't talk to me for a while. And then they uh, came back and they said, are you like you? Yeah. Am I living for the Lord? Yeah, I still have off. And then they saw me one day in the cafeteria and they came up to me and they said, can I talk to you? And I said, sure. Me and my roommate are really having problems. Just, you know, her roommate in college was sort of partying and staying out half the night and she said, we disagree, we argue a lot. And what do you think we ought to do? Now, I could have said, remember, I'm the one you don't want to have anything to do with. You didn't want to. But now you come to me. Well, the reason why she was coming to me, she didn't want to talk to all her friends that would go out and party because they were the same as her. She wanted to talk to somebody who was different, who had peace, who had joy. So she didn't like me at first, but now she's coming to me for advice. I think the same will be true of you. Somebody might pick on you at first, but then they say, you know what, this Jesus must really make a difference to you. You seem like you're pretty serious. Yeah. You did well. There's Jairus pleading for Jesus to come help his daughter. There's the daughter pleading for Jesus to help her, just to touch his garment. Now, to help you remember that once you get home, I'm going to give you this uh, little reminder. That's a breath mint called certs. You've probably used it. Some of you need to. No, I was just kidding. Eat the whole roll. No, uh, certs. If you take each letter that's called uh, C, E, R, T, S, the C sort of stands for this. I think we've got to come to Jesus every day. We just, uh, Lord, I want to begin today and, and talk to you and before you eat. Remember, you say, oh, I like to eat breakfast. No, bi- no breakfast until you read the Bible. You know, that ought to be no Bible, no breakfast. Okay? Some of you would starve to death. But anyway, you need to come to Jesus, and that's the way you come to Him. He speaks to you first, and then you speak to Him. Second thing, if you come to Him, try to expect something. Matter of fact, say, God, I'm going to be disappointed if you don't tell me something. I'm going to be disappointed if you don't feed me, if you don't give me something to go on. Just that one verse, one thought. And then if you expect it, you're going to receive it. He won't disappoint you. But that comes because you do this. You are trusting Him. I trust you, Jesus. You're going to be a... I'm a man of my word. I'm going to keep my end of the deal. You keep yours. You don't have to worry about that, by the way. Just trust Him. And finally this. Once God starts blessing you, try to share that with others. Say, oh, my sister at home, her name is Melanie. Melanie will call me or email me sometimes. She says, I was reading in my Bible this morning. I just feel like you don't even have to tell me the next word. You've already touched my heart. The Bible is so important to you that you get up 5.30 in the morning before the kids get off to school and you're sitting there in a chair reading and talking to Jesus. That blesses me. She's the first person I baptized in our church plant because I feel like she confirmed her faith, whether I led her to Jesus or not. It's like she emailed me and says, I'm not sure about being saved. I didn't even email her back. I picked up the phone and called her. So my family touched my heart. My sister was the first one we baptized and she immediately, was there a change like a Louis Zamperini? You bet. She goes from not even going to church for who knows how long. She went as a little girl, but then years, decades probably. And now she goes to church. 
Their family drives about an hour and a half to get to our church every week. What kind of dedication is that? Let, let her own son to the Lord. His name's Benjamin, so she comes to church, she reads her Bible, she prays, she's active. She could be sitting right there and a the family could come in the back and a kid could be crying. They'll have a baby crying. She's the first one up to go back and say, let me, let me help you and I'll take him to the nursery or something. She, I don't ask her to do that. So she's kind, she's uh, got a servant's attitude. So she starts sharing. That's what I want you guys to do. Just go back and shock your mom and say, Mom, I'm going to clean my room. <sighs> She'll faint probably, but anyway, then you can bring her back around and say, Mom, I want to try to do better. What did you do at camp? I committed my life to Jesus. Maybe I recommitted my life. What in the world are we going to do where we're going to go away from camp and after the mood leaves us, we're still going to stick to what we said we were going to do? Well, I'm fine as long as I'm at camp. We've got to be fine after we leave camp. No one said that's easy. Matter of fact, you might even feel like running from God on certain days. Tonight's or today's lesson. Uh, it's time for today's lesson. Would you turn to a, a portion of scripture that maybe this guy sort of went to camp? He became a prophet. He was on fire. Everything's going great until God told him to do something, and he said no. Let me show you what this man went through. He had a crisis. Something was going wrong. He was at a crossroads. And he had a choice to make. He could either continue going in the way he was going, or he could change and go the way God wanted him to go. If he changed the way God wanted him to do, he would celebrate. If he went the way he wanted to go, he's going to be, uh, for lack of a better word, he's going to feel sort of cruddy. Who in the world are we talking about that had a choice to do this? It was this guy right here. It was Jonah. So turn to the book of Jonah. And since it's shark week, got to tell the story of Jonah. He wasn't swallowed by a shark. He wasn't eaten by a shark. I believe the Bible. If you don't, we're uh, of all men most miserable. That's what Paul writes. He said, if there's no heaven or hell, no God and all that, we're of all men most miserable. But we've got something to look forward to. Let me help you find Jonah. You know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, and then it's First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, and Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah. What's next? Lamentations, Daniel, Ezekiel, Daniel, and then what? Now you start the minor prophets because you've got rid of the major prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah. So go all the way over to the minor prophets and you're going to get into stuff like Hosea, Hosea, yeah, you found out one, and then you get into Joel, and then you get into Amos, and Obadiah, and finally Jonah. So Jonah's about the fifth or sixth book into the Minor Prophets. You're almost to the Old Testament. Jonah. If you've never heard the story of Jonah, you're in for a treat. If you have, I think some of you are Jonah today. I don't have a spiritual x-ray machine. I can't see what you're going through. But Jonah was on a run from God. By the way, was Jonah a good guy? Yes or no? Yes, he's a prophet. I think we don't do him justice sometimes. And boy, Jonah, he's awful. Wow. Next time you get your name in the Bible, write in a book, you let me know. Jonah's got you beat. Jonah's got a book in the Bible named after him. There's only four chapters. We're going to cover two of them. They're so short. One of them's only about ten verses. Here's the story of Jonah. Everything's going great. I'm embellishing the story slightly there, but say, oh, Jonah's having a great old time in life. He's probably getting up and doing the regular things. He's doing like you, normal stuff. And then, you ever notice when you're doing normal stuff, it's no big deal? It's when God calls you to do something a little out of the ordinary. So if you're keeping a nursery, you might ever keep a nursery at the church before. Yeah, you keep a nursery, you say, great, we got the little angelic baby. She could keep herself. You could just walk off. She's great. But then you want to keep a nursery on the day that the child's in there that cries a lot. Who's teething? You know, wants to chew on the leg or something. It's like, you know, just like, oh. So what you're telling me, I'll keep the nursery as long as the kids behave. Well, wow, that's a really a sacrifice. I'll do the things as long as it's not too much trouble. Jonah says, I'll, I'll be a prophet for you, God. God says, okay, I'll send you to a place. It would be like me calling you from Tennessee in your little community 
to where it's nice and neat, and I say, I want you to be a missionary. All right, I'm going to send you to uh, Sin City. Sin City. Where's Sin City in America? Las Vegas. There's a friend of mine. I had him as a professor at Liberty University. His name's Dave Early. Dave Early went to plant a church. I planted a church in Roanoke, Virginia. Although we're on Williamson Road where 64,000 people go by every day and I'm located right next to a bar and across from an old Hooters, it's now closed, thank God. And then I had somebody else beside me that looked like they were demon-possessed one time and moved in. We're right there out there in the middle of things. I True, somebody came in and rented the building beside us one time. She about cussed us out one day and then told me she began to tell me she was a preacher. For who, Satan? I mean, so she's about to cuss us out. We've got surrounded by... And yet, we're right there in the thick of things, but I'm nowhere near Dave Early. He said, I want to go plant a church in Las Vegas. He said he went out there to do a little bit of canvassing, started talking to people, and uh, he said, I know this is called Sin City, and the person he was talking to was about like a drug addict, prostitute there on the street. She said, well, you know, we need a lot of grace here. Maybe you ought to call it Grace City. Guess what his church is? Grace City Church. He just has people off the streets just wandering. Do you think he could be at his church? And he say, yeah, that's what I would love to do. Other people are like, I don't want any part of Las Vegas. You might not even want any part of Life Point. But let me tell you what God's behind. I think he called me to plant a church four or five years ago. I was about 50 years old, and he says, I need you to plant a church. And I didn't argue with him, but I thought, a little streak in me, like, Lord, you sure? And he goes, a church like Capilingo. Make a church like camp. You know how you guys say, I wish I could just go back and go to a church that's sort of like camp. Anybody ever feel that way? That's what God put on my heart. Make a church like camp. So I went back and I thought, okay. By the way, Andy Stanley felt that way too. And so I thought, Lord, I'm 50 years old. What do you want me to do? He said, go back to Liberty. Uh, go to take a degree in church planning and evangelism from the seminary. So I did and I stayed up there and I got to know some professors and all that stuff. But I... Anyway, my heart's desire was to plant a church. I planted a church, and I admit part of me wanted to be right there in the residential area where houses are. So we started being at Huff Lane School. My wife works there as a teacher's aide, so that helped. Pretty soon they said, you got to get out of the school. Lord, are you sure? The Lord says, yeah. I'm going to get to heaven. He's going to probably tell me I had to close that school to get you out of it because I felt secure. We're in a residential area. School closed. They even tore it down. No chance of us going back. So we had to go up to Round Hill Elementary School. We stayed there for a little while, and then they come and said, we're going to remodel the school you need to leave. That was the first week of June a year ago. Second week, you really have to leave. Well, we're bought up. Finally located a building, and Lord, this is happening awful quick. We go from not having a building at all to where we drove by on spring break. I remember one time, our Easter break, my wife says, you know that building, I think it's for sale. We pulled in and went, there's nobody even here, but it used to be an accounting office. Right there it is beside a bar. Some people would have said, hey, a bar, I don't be around there. God says, Edgar, this is the building I want you to have. And I went, are you sure? Give me directions. So I went over and looked up, and I looked at my wife and went, see the address of this building? It's 4624 Williamson Road. My house is 4624 Pauling Street. God says, I've put the same numbers. I know you're slow, but you can figure this out. I got it. Okay. We looked around, and there's no messages. There's no, nothing, no paper. The, the building looks almost abandoned. We went home and tracked down a number of Gary Francisco and Associates. Used to be an accounting firm. Finally got a woman says, I don't know how to get a hold of him. I don't want, on the third phone call, I finally got through and got a hold of somebody. He calls me back, and I said, Gary Francisco, yeah, my name's Edgar Moser. I'm interested in a building I think you used to own. And he said, how did you know about that building? My wife and I were just talking about that today. We closed it in December. I retired as an accountant. It's April the 1st. We have done nothing in that building for about four months. And today, this week, my wife and I were thinking, what do we do? Do we rent it or sell it? This morning we're talking about it, and you call me. I'll meet you in an hour. It wasn't even on the market. We show up, and I'm almost a little bit not afraid, but to say, okay, he's going to wonder what I'm going to use it for. And I said, let me just be right up front for you. Uh, this is not going to be a business. We're going to make it into a church. And he goes, good. I'm a Christian. I wanted a building to go to somebody good. Can you rent it? And I said, well, our church people are giving about $1,200 a month. I said, we could rent it. How much do you want? $2,500. Oh, uh, well, 
Would you rather buy it? I said, oh, absolutely. I checked in with a uh, couple of places. They wouldn't give a loan to us. Checked in with somebody else wouldn't give a loan to us. I went to the, uh, I said, how much is this going to cost? I uh, went to a bank. I went to this building and said, can somebody tell me maybe to come here? I got two drivers in one day, just walked into a building, and I said, uh, somebody tell me to come here. They said, we don't give loans to businesses or churches or anybody. I turned to go out the door and stopped at the door and turned around. Let me ask you a question. The guy walked in. I said, shook my hand. I said, where would you go today if you needed a loan? He said, go to Hometown Bank out at Cave Spring and ask for a girl named Debbie. Okay. Out to Hometown Bank, walked in. I'm looking for Debbie. She comes over. Hey, how you doing? I said, I'm looking uh, to get a loan for church. Oh, you've got the wrong Debbie. She's in that building over there. Okay. I walk in, sit down, and I said, I'm here uh, to think about getting a loan for a building. You're Debbie? And she said, yes. I said, I'm Edgar Moser. And she said, I think I can help you. The last couple days, a week or so, I've been thinking, God, how can you use me to help people? You're the second or third person to come in today who's a pastor. And I said, well, you sound like you're friendly and you're helpful, about like the people I used to grow up with in Giles County. You're from Giles County? My family lives in Giles County. You know, yeah. You're the Williams family? Yeah, we know y'all. I'll get you in that building. We're in the building. Our payment every month is $1,200. That's what the people give. You think we're by coincidence in that building? I got one other thing to tell you that God confirmed definitely we need to be in that building. I didn't run from him like Jonah. I didn't take off, and he moved us. When we got ready to get out of the second elementary school, they finally came in and said, you need to leave. They told us that on Tuesday. The loan was approved on Thursday. We left, and the first service in our new building, we walked in. By the way, the city manager walked through there, the, the inspector. He turned to say, I know you need in this building. I used to be on a missionary field. You did? Can I pray with you about this? You work for the city of Roanoke, and you want to pray with him? Sure, absolutely. So we prayed. His name's Keith St. Clair. We prayed, and we moved into the building. He said, you're not going to get your proper paperwork. Here's my business card. If anybody says you can be in here, tell them you can. We walk into the building, and I thought, hallelujah. Met the guy next door who owns the bar. He seemed a little gruff at first, and I thought, okay. And I introduced myself to him. He seemed a little bit kinder. And then the next thing he said, I want you to meet my son, Todd. Todd was 48 years old, had cancer. We prayed and prayed with him and prayed with him. Nine months later, I did his funeral. And on uh, the week or so that he died, he got so sick with cancer, I'd go in and I would sit beside his bed. And basically, Todd soon told me, he gave me the idea. For no other reason, you know why God put you beside us so you could you know, be with me. I said, Todd, are you sure you're saved? He said, i got doubts and worries. Would you like to get rid of them? Yes, I prayed with him. And when he said amen, smile went from ear to ear. I said, Todd, you're ready to go to heaven? And people said, I can just tell a difference. Now, I'll tell you, all of that, I think God used us. I could have ran from him telling me to plant a church. I wanted to stay in a residential. He puts me on Williamson Road. He puts me there so I can preach funerals and, and be right next to the people that need God. What good would it have done if I'd have said no and stayed at home? Jonah's got a challenge. He can stay at home. God says, okay, let's see what we can do. Here's what Jonah has done with his challenge. Now, I don't know what kind of challenge you're going to be. Let me just fix this thing. I don't know where your um, you I don't know where your mission field is. I don't know where you feel called. You say, well, you know, there's some people at school I really like to work with, or some, some even a family member. There's a this or that. I don't know your youth group, whatever. So everybody saved at church. Yeah, no, they're not. Here's what Jonah gets to do. He gets to decide to do what God wants him to do, or he's going to turn the other way. Here's Jonah chapter one. Same as planting a church. He's not really going to plant a church, but in a way, yeah, he's going to go to Nineveh to plant his church, and he runs. I didn't run from God. I went ahead and went. I was sort of scared when I left the, Ella, the residential areas. They put me out on Williamson Road because I think that is a major road in Roanoke. It's a crossroads. But since he's put us there, we're reaching more people. It's him. I'm a little scared on Sundays because I get people that come in on Sunday morning that want to be there, and they're great. I get others that stumble in sometimes without my breath, and I think, 
God, we're not a recovery church. He said, you might be. Uh, so he's sending me people. I had no idea. But he's softening my heart to people that need him. Number one, chapter one, verse one, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. I might as well put my name in there, son of Amity. I could have said the word of the Lord came to Edgar, son of Tyre Moser. Go to the great city of Roanoke. Well, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because the wickedness has come up before me. So God said, go, verse 2. Jonah said, no. Jonah ran the other way from the Lord. Now, this is a prophet. He hits to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for the port. Exciting story. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Just in a few verses there, what do you notice anything about Jonah? He's a prophet. What else? God said go, so... Let's see if I can tell you a little bit about Jonah. I agree. Check this out then. Number one, God called him. He had a specific job for him. I like when God's specific. 4624 Williamson Road. I like it when he tells me the exact building he wants. I'd looked at a couple and thought nothing, and suddenly I desire a building. I hadn't done that in three or four years. We've been in church for five years. For four years, I was content to be where we were, and suddenly he puts a desire, i got to have a building. And it's got the same address as my home address. This is weird. And God says, let me save it for you for three or four months. And the guy who sold it to us said, I'm glad you got it. Within about a week or so after that, somebody called me and wanted it. I even had to talk. My wife said, they will give us more money. Let's sell it to them. And he talked to his wife out and says, no, Skip Dagger is going to be a church. So God called us. He calls Jonah. He had a specific job, but you're right. He was a scaredy cat. He took off. He was a coward. I'm not picking on him, but he said, God said, go. Jonah took off. He didn't just run the other way. Yeah, he uh, he took off and said, God can't find me. Yeah, right. Adam and Eve in the garden. God says, where are you? Ah, we're hiding. No, he just did it. God knew where they were. God knows what we're doing, where we are. He sees us in our bright spots or the darkest hours. Jonah ran away from the Lord, headed for Tarsus. He went down to Joppa. Now, he's going to do something here that I thought was sort of odd. He is a prophet, that's good, but he runs from God, running away from him, doesn't want to do what God's telling him to do, and yet look what he does after paying what? The fare. What's that mean? He is a very honest person. Even in his dark time, he's still going to be honest. He didn't sneak aboard the ship, so after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. He's fleeing from the Lord, and yet he's honest. It's like robbing a bank but not speeding when you drive away. You've done something bad, but you don't want to be really bad. That's like you. You're sort of doing things you shouldn't, but you still would not just flat out. You ain't going to cuss Grandma out and push her wheelchair down the stairs. You're not cruel, but you'll certainly, yeah, let me listen to this off-colored thing or look at that off-colored thing. Or let me, But I don't want to be really bad. Trouble is, that's exactly what God calls lukewarm and you make him sick. In Revelation, he says, I want to spit. You make me want to vomit. I would rather you either be on fire or cold, one of the two, but we try to be both. So we sort of praise God. Matter of fact, the Bible says sometimes people will praise God now the same mouth curse men. So we get up on Sunday morning, hallelujah. Shut up! God is, oh yeah, you know, it's like, wow, how can you be both of us? Jonah. Lord, I want nothing to do with you. Here's my money. I would never think about being a thief. But you're running from God. Verse 4, the Lord sent. He went down to Tarshish. God left him be and he died and that's the end of the story. No, I'm just kidding. God says, you can't run from me. Well, you're being mean. I'm really being just the opposite. I care enough to do this. I'm going to corner you. I'm going to, if you had a, a puppy, a dog, and he got loose in here and say, okay, I would get on this side, you get on that side. What we're doing, we're cornering him. We finally get him down. Burr! Then he bites your face off. No, I just can't. My favorite line from Windex, that dog ate my face off. No, it's like uh, we finally get him cornered, and then you reach down, come here, and we've got him. God's cornering him. Imagine this, it's almost a game in heaven. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, turn around. There goes Jonah. He's running from, <laughs> running from us. Watch this. Wind comes back. Jonah's in the ship, asleep. The Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to be breaking up. He is sleeping through nothing short of a hurricane. Backslidden, running from God. God sends a storm. 
all the sailors, look at verse, all the sailors were afraid. Notice not just the guys that are a little scared, all of them are afraid. These guys make a living selling the seas and all of them are afraid. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Check out these next couple of things. God's cornering Jonah. The waves are about to crash and go over until the ship's about to sink. It has changed from being a little scared to getting more scared where these guys, they don't care. They're petrified. And their friends are even petrified. Everybody on the ship is now totally scared. These are guys that have tattoos on their arms, and I mean, they're usually tough, but right now they're crying like that. Why? Death's waiting. And so they go downstairs to grab the cargo, get ready to toss it overboard on a ship of death. They cry out in desperation. Remember what we talked about last night? Desperate. The woman who slices her fingers so that her little child can stay. The, the man who... You remember his name? Aaron Ralston, yeah. Cuts his arm off, he's so desperate. These sailors are so desperate, they go downstairs to the ship, panicked, stricken. They pick up the cargo and they throw it overboard. This is their money that just went out into the water. If they don't show up with cargo, they're broke. That's the whole idea of them being in business. And they toss their business, their profit, right out the window just now. They're so desperate, it'd be almost like, don't throw that cargo over. I don't care anymore. Living is more important than this cargo. And as they go down there, I can imagine taking a bag and out the window, out the window, and they look and there's a guy asleep. Hey, man, what are you doing? Running from God. No, he didn't quite say it that way, but uh, just sleep a little bit. Get up, call on your God. I don't even care who he is, just call on him. Everybody's calling on their gods. Why? Why? Look, there's water seeping through the wood right here of the ship. We're about to be broken into pieces. You know what I get from that little thought? See, I read the Bible and I try to make it apply to me. Sometimes there's a crisis going on and you don't even know it. There's a person sitting next to you at lunch that's there. It looks like they're a cutter, you know, all over the place and tears rolling down their face. And Hey, how's it going? I don't know. Okay, have a great day. Walk off. Person commits suicide that afternoon and he sat beside you at lunchtime. You didn't have a clue that something was wrong? I, you know what I do at my school? I'll leave. I don't even go to the cafeteria. I'll come out of the office sometime. I'll look. There's always one child, one kid, sitting on the steps, sitting by themselves. And I said, did you eat lunch today? How come? I don't like to go to the cafeteria. Translate that for young people. I don't want to be where, where everybody else is. No, I didn't eat lunch today. Are you hungry? Oh, sort of. Sort of. You want something to eat? I don't know. Come here, son. I took him in the guidance department one day, and they had snacks in there, and I said, hey, how's it going? You mind if he's... Well, uh, yeah, come here. Just fed him with the snacks in the guidance department. Thanks. Are you a new kid? Yeah, I, I come from uh, the Baptist Children's Home, which is for orphans. Mom and Dad don't want me anymore. Who are you living with now? Live up there at the Baptist Children's Home. Well, listen, now you know somebody, okay? My name's Mr. Murray. All right. Not for somebody like that. We've got to quit just walking over the broken. Jonah, you don't even care. Sailors say, get up. Next thing. They toss the cargo. They find Jonah. Bring him up board. Look what happens. Jonah had gone down. Before he lay down, fell into a deep sleep. Remember what I told you the other night? Abraham, deep sleep. Adam, deep sleep. Daniel, deep sleep. Here's Jonah, deep sleep. Maybe God's going to work on him right here. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Matter of fact, if we had woke you up, what might you have done? Died and you'd have died in your sleep. The ship would have went under. Get up. How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he'll take a notice of us and we'll perish. Sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who's responsible for this calamity. They cast lots in the lot filled with Jonah. They don't even know how it is. And don't ask me how they cast lots. It's almost like they, uh, it'd be like us passing out a piece of paper and everybody falls and it finally comes to you. How do they, I don't understand how lots cast finally figures out who it is. They did this. The captain questioned 
to find out the problem. Here's the next thing. They cast lots. Jonah was the reason. Here's what Jonah says. Jonah's pretty calm as they're talking. He's not panic-stricken. Even a backslidden Christian still knows God's his God. But he says this, some very upfront confessions. Right here it is. So they ask him, Tell us who's responsible for making all this trouble that us for us. What do you do? Where do you come from? Twenty questions. Where's your country? From what people are you? Where's your shoe size? Who are you married to? Tell, tell us all about you. What's going on? He has got a chance to lie. Now, still, I just can't figure this out sometimes. Even though he's a prophet, yeah, he runs from God. What did he do before he boarded the ship? He paid the fare. Guess what he's going to do right now? He's going to tell the truth. Jonah's hard to figure out. Tell us what's going on. Who are you? Okay, I'll tell you. I am a Hebrew. That'd be the same as you and me saying, I am a Christian. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. And I'm running from God. You finally came clean. This terrified him even more. You serve the God who made the sea? This is scary. This terrified him. They asked, what have you done? What did you do to cause him to be so angry with you? Well, I'm running from him. And he's trying to corner me. And you guys happen to be in the way. Okay, that would be like, let's just pretend for a second. A person escapes from prison. He comes in here and he's a ruthless killer. Ah! He's slobbering down that. And he runs in behind you and I pull out my revolver and I say, I've got to get this guy before he hurts somebody. I'm sorry, I meant to say duck. And now he's hiding in between y'all. Now, y'all just drop him like flies. I'm trying to get the guy... Oh, shot for, and I've killed eight people now looking for a convict, you know. And finally there he is. Forget this pistol. Is that an Uzi? Yeah. Just mow down about eight of you. And finally there goes the convict. Oh, finally got him. I wanted to keep all y'all safe and there's 12 bodies laying on the floor. You've killed us trying to help us. Jonah's hiding in the middle of these people and God's coming after him. And these people, ah! I have nothing to do with this. Kill him. You're in front of him. So that means you're coming after me? You got it. He's a prophet and I won't let him run from me. I want to use him. And it's almost like, can't catch me, can't catch me. And Jonah's playing tag with God. Only it's not laser tag, it's tidal wave tag. And it's just coming over the boat and the boat starts to rock and these guys are going to die. And they just come to him probably just great by the... What are you doing? I'm running from God. Don't Please don't run. No, no. And another wave hits. They're stubborn like me and you. When God finally speaks to you, we ought to just say, wait, God, stop the wave. Stop this. Just come clean. No, I'm going to come clean with you. They don't. Jonah says, it's my fault. <sighs> Waves are just banging on this ship. He says, it's my fault. I'm running from God. And he's coming after me and y'all happen to be in the way and he's going to come through you to get to me. What are you doing this for? Well, I'm a backslidden prophet and I don't want to do what God says. Here's what the people say. This terrified them. What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord. Sometimes I can tell that with people because he had already told them so. The sea is getting rougher and rougher so they ask him, then you know God more than we do. Here's my friend in college. Came to me for advice. What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? He's backslidden Christian and people of a lost world still asking for advice. What should we do? As another wave smacks a man in the face and the ship gets ready to be cracked. Tell us what to do. Toss me overboard. What? You give me up and he'll quit coming at you. Let's see, you're honest, you pay the fare. You tell the truth, I'm a Christian, and you finally say, I'm the reason for this calamity. No, we can't do that. Even the lost world's got some thin strip of fiber of morality. They, we throw you in the sea, you're going to die. We can't do that. We're not giving you up. 
God's up in heaven. <laughs> okay. I'll let you all be a little bit long. We are going to keep on rowing this boat. Look what they do. Pick me up, throw me in the sea, reply, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. It's my fault. Finally, he's come honest. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land. They work harder. If I tell you, you're not going to be able to go to heaven, let's just pretend you can't go to heaven. I know you're trying to work hard. You've been baptized so many times. We've got soap in the baptistry now. Might as well be taking a bath. You've taken five baptisms. You talk to everybody. You've taken a Bible. But if you ask Jesus in your heart, no, then all those works don't mean a thing. Well, I'll work harder. I don't think you're getting the point. Here's what the sailors did. John admitted he was a Christian. They could have said, can we become Christians? No, we are instead going to do this. He said, cast me over. He's even given good advice. I don't want to become a Christian, says the lost sailors. We don't want to cast you over because that would be giving up. Instead, we're going to do this. We're going to continue to row. Now, I'm not sure, but if this was a landmine field, and landmines, you plant them in the ground, and you walk. They do this to sailor soldiers as they come up on a shore. And sometimes if you walk like this, and boom, like that, you step on a landmine, you lose a leg, and it blows you in a tree. So if I said this to you, we're over looking at a map, and I say, hey, don't take off just yet. We've got to look at this map just a second. You go, do, 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 do. Walking around. Hey. And I yell at you when you're 20 feet from me and say, don't move. There's a landmine right close to you. Why? You take a step in any direction, you're liable to lose a leg or an arm. Hang on, i got to look at this map. This, this map. And tell you where the landmines are. And you go, ha-da-da-da-da-da-da. And I look at my co-captain and he looks back and goes, that man's deranged, isn't he? Hey, Johnny, you don't have a leg to stand on now, but I want you to climb down out of the tree and would you really do that? Or how about, it's even worse, these soldiers over here go, they're going to run through the, just run through the landmine field. Guys, are y'all fools? You're asking for it? God calls the storm. I am a Christian. Throw me overboard and this will stop. <clears throat> You're rowing against God Almighty. My money's on God. I just thought I'd say that. I bet you they took the oars out there. <clears throat> oars about this long. <sighs> Waves are going higher. I'm going to fight you, God. Bring it on. Are you a fool? We do that when we're backslidden. We'll take God on. God is just sometimes... I created a world in six days on the seventh day I rested. I've raised up people like Moses and Abraham and Jacob and Isaac and Joseph. I've raised up people. You're going to fight me. Really? We'll work harder. I'll get baptized again. I'll serve in a nursery. I'll do everything I can. Why don't you just do what I'm asking you to do? Oh, that's too easy. These sailors row like they've never rowed before because they know they're going to die. And they finally reach the point of desperation. Remember what I told you last night? They say, okay, God, you win. They give in and look what they say. Instead, the men did the best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Now, if the ship is about to break up about ten verses ago, and now the storm's worse... Then they cried to the Lord, Oh Lord, please don't let us die for taking this man's life. Don't hold us accountable for what we're about to do, killing an innocent man for you, O oh Lord, because you've done as you've pleased. And then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and as soon as they did, the raging sea began to grow calm, and it's back to normal. And at that, at this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to Him. When they offer a sacrifice and made vows, I'm not positively sure. It might even mean that they got saved at that point to say, this is the God that offers us salvation. This is the God that can save us. 
and he's just been proven. Jonah is a prophet. He's supposed to win people to God and tell about the future. He just now won some sailors to the Lord and didn't even want to. They made vows to him. Last verse, but the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Um, the sea became calm. Last thing right here. Jonah faces a crisis. He faces his own death. And he alone is going to probably see these sailors die. They throw him overboard. Now, I don't have a video to show you. I just want to keep chapel short today. But I just want to try to think. Think back to last night. You remember that guy in the plane? He was so desperate. He turned around and he says, he thought about what his daddy told him. He says, somebody's got to do something. And he goes over and staggers and picks up a 1300 degree bomb that just, phosphorus bomb that just burns through his skin. And he kicks open, the, gets the window up and throws it out. He's so desperate he does that. He knows he could die if he doesn't, but he knows... The whole crew will die. Eddie Rickenbacker could have died. Louis Zamperini could have died. The woman says, I've got to keep my daughter alive. She will die. Jonah is now desperate. He's so desperate to say, throw me overboard. I will sacrifice myself instead of you all. But he thinks he's going to die. So they chuck him overboard. And he's... I'm going to read a... Look in chapter 2. Some of you who get an A+, if you remember this... Louis Zamperini said, I read some verses and tears come down my face. He read these verses that we're going to right here. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord and He answered me. From the depths of the grave I called for help and You listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas and the current swirled about me. Look at this. All Your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. I'll turn and look to you. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Jonah even gives this. Says, he said, seaweed was wrapped around my head so that it was in the harder you fight with seaweed, you pretty soon it just pulls you down even more. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me from forever, but you brought my life up from the pit. Oh, Lord, my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose up to you in your holy temple. And here's what I prayed. He said, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Those who cling to worthless idols or, or just cling to things that aren't important, he said, they forfeit knowing you. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I've vowed he remember he vowed. He remembered his vow. What I vow. Now you guys, some of you made a commitment the other night to Jesus. And some of you have asked him to save you years ago. He says, what I have vowed I'll make good. He remembered back to that commitment that he had made. He says, I'm going to make good on my bargain. I haven't been. I'm sorry. Salvation comes from the Lord. In other words, it's time to come home. Now I want you to notice something different. This man's running from God. He gets tossed over. God could have let him drown right there. And instead, Jonah's going down, fighting for every drink, for every breath he has as he drinks in the water. He's about this close from death, I really believe. God takes him right up to the edge. And Jonah says, okay, if I die, I die. I'm sorry ever. If you'd just give me a another chance. Water's gone. Seems sort of dark, but the water's gone. He's inside the fish right now. The large fish is just now engulfed him. God just now saved his life. So for those, you're helping me? He saved your life. He sent a lifeguard in the form of a whale or a large fish to save Jonah. Jonah's now been, and I believe this, I believe the Bible, Jonah's now inside. He stays there three days. I think gastric juices are trying to actually erode his skin because the whale's actually trying or the large fish is trying to digest him. A whale, will, he'll get the food back here and then he'll regurgitate it and come back. I wonder how many times Jonah's been tossed back and forth. And after three days, he smells pretty bad, I'm sure. And he prays and says, God, I don't know how long you stayed in there before he started praying. I don't know how, how long you run from God. And as Jonah's running from him, he finally comes to his senses. He says, Jonah faces death. And he finally prays and says, God, okay, I've had enough. I'm coming back to you. You honor God. I'm sorry I ran from you. 
you use me. And at that point, he's right back out on the shore. And except for smelling like gastric juices and looking a little bit rougher, uh, let's compare a verse. Look at Jonah chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Mamati, go to the great city of Nineveh, preach against it because of its wickedness has come up before me. Jonah ran away. Look at chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed. See the big difference? Jonah run. Jonah obeyed. Lord, I've had it. Now I'm just going to tell you, last thought up here. Jonah was convicted. Jonah confessed his sins. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. So here's the only thing about Jonah. All it took was this. All it took to change Jonah's circumstances was prayer. And I think prayer is all we need to change your circumstances. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, some people in here might be like Jonah and they're not living for you. They're sort of away from you right now. And I pray that you wouldn't put us in a dangerous situation. I think sometimes you let a crisis come our way to get our attention. That's what we talked about last night. And what some people would say is bad, you actually meant for good. You saved Jonah's life. He didn't deserve a second chance, neither do we. You don't have to give us the first chance, but out of grace you do. And maybe some of us are running from you right now. And I pray that you don't have to do something drastic like that to get our attention. And I pray that you'd tell us to do something we'd say yes without having to go through all of this. So Jesus, with a simple prayer, Jonah said, Lord, forgive me. Put me back out there. Help me to start out again. And you gave him another chance to go preach like you'd told him to to begin with. Lord, he just seemed like he wasted so much time running from you. Jesus, we do the same thing. I call that backslidden. I think some people in here right now do not uh, have a close walk with you and they're just sort of drifting away. And then something tough, a crisis comes in their family or around them and you're getting their attention with that. And We can either get mad at you for that happening or we can thank you and say, God, you got my attention again. I'm going to come home. So Jesus, speak to our hearts even right now. You know who in here is away from you, like a Jonah that's running from you. So draw us back to you. Help us to be honest. Jonah paid the fare. He told the truth. He said, I'm a Christian. He witnessed. Even in his weak times, he, you still used him to win people. But then he finally, for peace of mind, had to say, God, I am wrong. Forgive me. You took him right up to the brink of being lost physically, of dying, and you got his attention. Well, Jesus, I pray that you've got the attention of everybody in here right now. Speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. God's going to get your attention one way or the other. You ever heard that old expression, we can either do this the easy way, yeah.